Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Ambassador Francis Rooney. He also served as our uh, representative in Congress. We'll visit about his uh, latest column, Midterm 2022, Lessons Learned in the Path Forward. Sean Higgins is uh, the competitive Uh, Enterprise Institute labor policy expert. We'll talk about what's going on in Hollywood. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, we'll visit with him as well. It is July the 21st, and on this day in 1944, Adolf Hitler took the airwaves to announce the attempt on his life had failed, that accounts will be settled. Hitler had survived the bomb blast that was meant to take his life. He'd suffered punctured eardrums, some burns and minor wounds, but nothing that would keep him from regaining control of the government and fighting the rebels. In fact, the coup d'etat that was to accompany the assassination of Hitler was put down in a mere 11 and a half hours. In Berlin, uh, Army uh, Major Otto Remmer, believed to be apolitical by the conspirators and willing to carry out any orders given to him, was uh, told that the Fuhrer was dead and that he, <coughs> Remmer, was to not <coughs> address Joseph Goebbels, Minister of Propaganda. But Goebbels had other news for Remmer. Hitler was alive, and he proved it by getting the leader on the phone. The rebel had forgotten to cut the phone lines. Uh, Hitler then gave Remmer uh, direct orders to put down any army rebellion and to follow only his orders or those of Goebbels or Himmler. Uh, Remmer let Goebbels go. The SS then uh, snapped into action, arriving in Berlin, now in chaos, just in time to convince many high German officers to remain loyal to Hitler. Arrests, torture sessions, executions, and suicides followed. Count Klaus von Steffenberg, the man who actually planted the explosive in the room with Hitler and who had insisted to to his uh, co-conspirators that the explosion was as if a 150-millimeter shell had hit, no one in the room can still be alive. But it was Steffenberg, uh, who would not be alive for much longer. He was shot dead the very day of the attempt by a pro-Hitler officer. The plot was completely undone. Uh, so interesting that uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was part of the plot. He, of course, is a great theologian. And uh, just noted in his book that the bomb was placed on the other side of a metal desk, which probably protected Hitler uh, from his demise. Now Hitler had to restore calm and confidence to the German civilian population. At 1 a.m., July 21st, Hitler's voice broke through the radio waves, I am unhurt and well. A very small clique of ambitious, irresponsible, and stupid officers have concocted a plan (coughs) plot to eliminate me. (coughs) It's a gang of criminal elements which will be destroyed without mercy. I therefore give orders now that no military authority is to obey orders from that crew of usurpers. This time we will uh, settle accounts with them in the manner to which the National Socialists are accustomed. 
So interesting. Happened on this day. Well, The Sound of Freedom achieved a narrow victory over Mission Impossible at the box office, securing the top spot on Wednesday. Additionally, uh, during a certain appearance, a recent appearance on Fox and Friends, the film star Jim Cavasell referred to Do- President Donald Trump as the, a new Moses. Now, that's because uh, Trump had uh, created a major effort to uh, end child trafficking. That now has been removed. But uh, Cavasell didn't make any friends with the left by making that comment. As of this morning, Sound of Freedom is on the verge of surpassing a $100 million milestone, uh, dollar milestone. The film funding comes from Angel Studios, which utilized crowdfunding to raise funds for the movie. <clears throat> the Guardian newspaper has intensified its criticism of the anti-child trafficking film Sound of Freedom following its screening by former President Donald Trump at his Bedminster Club on Wednesday. The British newspaper referred to the movie as a hit with QAnon devotees, although it's garnered popularity among general moviegoers, outperforming Disney's Indiana Jones film upon its July 4th release and securing a second spot just behind the latest Mission Impossible installment in the weekend box office rankings. Various legacy meetings outlets have uh, attempted to associate Sound of Freedom and its leader, Cavasell, with uh, QAnon conspiracy theories that revolve around the Democrat Party, Satanism and child abuse, sexual abuse, however, The Guardian conceded seven paragraphs into the critical article that the movie, which was completed in 2018, is based on a true story. It's a terrific movie. I I apologize if I've mentioned this about every show, but nevertheless, I think it's important that every one of our listeners, every person possible, see this movie because it is so important on such an important topic. Well, of course, the big news from yesterday is on Thursday, Senator Chuck Grassley made public the controversial FBI form that contains a witness statement regarding an alleged bribery scheme involving President Joe Biden during his time as vice president. Uh, Grassley released the FD 1023 form in its entirety with some light redactions. While several congressional uh, Republicans have already seen the document, it was not accessible to the public until yesterday. In the accompanying statement, the Iowa Republican accused FBI of attempting to obscure and redact the form initially, but acknowledged that the Bureau eventually cooperated with the congressional Republicans, allowing them to review it. According to the redacted FD-1023 form, Zlochevsky told the FBI informant during a meeting at the coffee shop in Vienna, Austria, in 2016 that it cost $5 million to pay one Biden and another $5 million to pay another Biden. The document further states that Shlosevsky made a comment about Hunter Biden's low intelligence and emphasized the need to keep him on the Bureau on the uh, Burisma board for a favorable outcome. Uh, The document was uh, dated June uh, 2020. Just uh, smoking guns everywhere. And right now the vice is closing in on the Biden family. Uh, so interesting, and we'll see how this leads. Former FBI direct, Assistant Director of Intelligence Kevin Brock said Thursday the recent memo dropped about Hunter Biden and Burisma is enough to merit a criminal investigation. You have enough here for a full fill, uh, field criminal investigation, no doubt, Brock said. But beyond that, we have assertions by the CVS, CHS and the CEO of Burisma. Uh, tape recorded a lot of uh, the conversations that he had with Hunter Biden to include two conversations directly with Joe Biden. The FBI needs to know what uh, what's on those tapes. <clears throat> on Thursday, 
An FBI memo released by Iowa Senator Grassley showed that FBI informant showed, uh, told agents in 2020 that the first son was hired by the Ukrainian energy son- company, Burisma Holdings, to use his, his father to help protect the Ukrainian gas firm from, quote-unquote, problems. One of these problems was to take care of a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating the company for corruption. There's more than enough here to do a full field investigation to the Bidens using every tool that the FBI has at its disposal to conduct that investigation, Brock reiterated. Uh, The report alleges that these concerns went all the way back to 2017. The duty of the FBI was to take that information apart and determine whether or not it was valid and then to launch an investigation to determine whether or not Vice President Joe Biden took a bribe, essentially back in 2015-16 time frame, and established the quid pro quo actually did occur, Brock said. Well, of course, uh, there's little doubt in my mind that it did, but of course, uh, I'm not a replacement for the uh, judicial process, and certainly even Joe Biden deserves his day in court. don't know if you saw this, but we watched... Uh, C-SPAN yesterday, and Robert F. Kennedy responded to smears lodged by Democrat Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett, who represents the U.S. Virgin Islands on Thursday as the select subcommittee on weaponization of the federal government's hearing on censorship. It's unbelievable. Plaskett chose to use her five minutes of time to lambast Kennedy, seemingly painting him as an anti-vaxxer who has discouraged black individuals to get vaccinated, a point he vehemently denied. Ironically, Plaskett uh, Plaskett decried the fact a particular post from Kennedy was not censored, and concluding it made her wonder about the extent of censorship when the post is still there. But more importantly, again, I go back to just the fact that We are creating a platform for these kinds of discussions, not about censorship, not about free speech, but the content of some of the speech that we're amplifying in this room. I am appalled and just so troubled by colleagues that I have to work with these days that individuals who would bring a witness who promoted a video that compared the COVID vaccine to the Tuskegee trials, the Tuskegee trials, Plaskett said, asserting that such a comparison preys on black people feel, people's feelings about the atrocities of the past in order to prevent them from seeking life-saving vaccines. Notably, Plaskett did not acknowledge that the coronavirus vaccines neither prevents nor uh, one from contracting the coronavirus, nor does it prevent transmission, as President Biden and other officials once said. She also brought Kennedy's family into the mix, asserting that they disagree with his position. Yet, despite making a point out that she claimed these uh, doesn't mean anything as the families do disagree. You know, I'm not going to talk about the money here that received from the Children's Health Defense Fund or his anti-vaccine organization that's responsible for a majority of the false information about their uh, out of there about COVID and the notoriety that was gained from manipulating black and other venerable, vulnerable communities to propagate this pseudoscience, she said. It's, she just tra- absolutely had an hominem attack on Kennedy. Representative Thomas Massey later gave time for Kennedy to speak, to which the presidential hopeful gained, largely used the address Plaskett Smears. The irony and cognitive dissonance from the other side of the aisle is deafening. You could cut it with a knife. They are at the same time denying the censorship is occurring, uh, but suggesting that there's more material that needs to be censored, Massey exclaimed. When you have stated that and tried to associate me with the, 
through guilt by association is simply inaccurate. Virtually everything, every statement that you made about me is inaccurate, Kennedy said, making clear that he is not anti-vaccine, nor is he that he told the public to avoid general vaccination. I believe vaccines should be tested with the same rigor as other medicines and medication. You tried to associate me uh, a moment ago with the replacement theory, which is racist, he said, before Plaskett attempted to respond. To say that, I I created a film that encourages blacks not to get adequate medical care is just completely abhorrent, he continued, speaking against, uh, against further ad hominem attacks. It's just uh, an amazing attack on him, and it was the juxtaposition between his intelligent response and the uh, foolish ad hominem attack by this uh, congresswoman was just amazing. And I think it demonstrates the irony that uh, there is misinformation, there is censorship going on. In fact, <clears throat> the attempted censorship occurred just in this meeting. The, the meeting, the subcommittee meeting, was about censorship, and the first thing that she did was try to censor Kennedy. I quite frankly, if we have to have a rep- uh, Democrat pr- president, I would choose him. I think he's an intelligent and reasonable man, and I think he speaks from the heart and honestly about everything that he says. Uh, he certainly had his problems in his family, but he respected. I think he's the be- very best Democrat candidate. Not that I want to see a, a, a Democrat elected to the uh, presidency of the United States, but irrespective, uh, the Dem- this, I think, explains a lot about the culture in the Democrat Party. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the uh, uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just a reminder that uh, Lulabee's Diner serves great breakfast and lunch, uh, but also serving dinner now Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. A terrific menu, uh, inexpensive, great value, and uh, comfortable. Again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us William Aitman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we represent Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Addressing policy issues and uh, overreach, a, a terrific organization. I encourage you to visit the uh, website, pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. So, William, let's talk about what's going on in Capitol Hill and, uh, boy, Seems like uh, the lawfare continues against President Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. So uh, a lot the, this Sunday, um, Trump received a second target letter from Special Counsel Jack Smith, and uh, you know, I guess remember we've discussed it before, but he had already received one target letter that presaged a 37-count indictment in the the uh, Mar uh, lago yeah. documents in Braglio. Um, as I said back then, they threw the book at him. Um, it appears as though that would be the situation again. Um, reportedly, the second target letter, which focuses on a special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into the January 6th, um, uh, the, the goings-on in the lead-up to January 6th and on January 6th, um, alleges, uh, reportedly, conspiracy to defraud, to, to defraud the U.S., um, corrupt obstruction of a proceeding, and then a third count that people weren't expecting, a conspiracy to deprive people of their rights. Um, and it's, it's unclear what this last count entails. I guess it's also unclear who the uh, alleged co-conspirators um, will be. Mm -hmm. But this is certainly an unprecedented situation. Um, you know, again, the, the, there's no, this, this fact pattern hasn't existed before. And certainly this application of the law um, hasn't uh, been performed before. So we're in terra incognita here, legally speaking. Um, it is, I guess it's conceivable. Remember, we have discussed this before, that Attorney General Merrick Garland would have a veto authority over this prosecution proceeding. 
Um, To be honest, I don't know whether or not that would have been wielded before or after the target letter, but my point here is that the Justice Department does indeed have some sort of oversight capacity. Um, It seems doubtful, given the prior target letter, the prior, you know, 37-count indictment regarding the document stuff that the Justice Department would so act. So, you know, again, it's this I've bemoaned it before, but mm-hmm. it, it is uh, this is remarkable from a constitutional perspective that the um, the likely candidate of the Republican Party in the 2024 election, at least as these polls appear now, yeah, um, is you know would be in the midst of a prosecution from the incumbent president. And again, these these investigations, you know, although they're in the hands of a special counsel now, they originated out of the Justice Department, which of course is an executive branch agency. So this is. I've said it before, but, you know, it makes me constitutionally uncomfortable. This is just a, a, a bizarre, um, I, I'm not intimating here that any man is above the law, but I am saying that this troubles me. Very troublesome indeed. In fact, uh, would you think about uh, the Attorney General stepping in? I'm not going to hold my breath, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, this, this whole thing seems so orchestrated. In fact, I believe... And I'll submit that uh, the prisoners from January the 6th have been overcharged and detained unnecessarily in prison. And I think uh, their lives have been sacrificed and their justice has been sacrificed in order to frame Trump on these charges. Well, shoot, I've not been following these matters uh, closely enough to comment upon, you know, those those prosecutions. Um, I, I don't even know the extent of some of those prosecutions. Uh, the way they, they've been just way overcharged and haven't seen just we've had one suicide there because he lo- totally lost hope. But in any event, uh, I appreciate your, your update on this matter. Uh, what about <clears throat> what's going on with the Bragg case? <clears throat> oh, uh, the Bragg case, a small update in that in that a uh, federal a district court judge uh, denied the Trump team's request to remove that case from New York State Court to a federal court. Um, that gets into rather arcane uh, legal issues. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I will say I, I do think, uh, I guess I disagree with the federal court's decision. I do expect that to be appealed by um, Trump's team. I, I do think a state prosecution of an ex-president belongs in federal court um, to avoid, uh, you know, I guess to, this is not a legal term, but home cooking. <laughs> Uh, so well, to be, uh, there will be subsequent updates on this particular issue as Trump appeals the matter. All right. Thank you, William. Also, uh, the whistleblowers, the IRS whistleblowers spoke in public and allegations about interference in the investigations. It was very revealing, in my opinion, to see it's not necessarily a direct order from the uh, Department of Justice. Do not uh, interview uh, Biden, but it's more subtle. These people are trying to keep their jobs. They want to look good in front of the president. And uh, yeah, in other words, it's kind of a subtle process that go on that goes on to interfere with justice. Yeah, interfere or and shut down, curb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these are the terms that were actually used by the two whistleblowers. We've discussed one, Gary Shapley. Um, uh, actually, this all took place on Wednesday at a House Oversight uh, Committee hearing, um, a long committee hearing. But a second whistleblower came forth, a Joseph Ziegler, a 13-year veteran of the IRS, mm-hmm. and they both described the same thing, um, that Biden's Justice Department handcuffed, that's quote-unquote, that's their term, um, the Hunter Biden investigation, and by that they meant um, from the Justice Department there was pressure to avoid asking witnesses certain questions, basically anything that pertained to anyone but Hunter Biden, 
um, uh, that the, the Justice Department effectively nixed uh, any uh, search warrants. Um, uh, and indeed, these two whistleblowers, they ID'd or they identified the Justice Department officials who they said were meddling in uh, the ongoing investigation and, and sort of uh, pressuring the Delaware prosecutor to not bring charges. Um, indeed, they've, they've said that, uh, according to these two whistleblowers, that effectively the uh, Delaware federal prosecutor um, was told he could not bring charges. And that further, he was told that they were not going to appoint a special counsel. Yeah. Um, so all of this creates uh, this pattern of slow walking, as, again, I'm using their language, not mine, uh, yeah. their allegations. Um, it creates a remarkable juxtaposition with what we've discussed at the outset, which this uh, the dogged, if you will, prosecution of Trump. Uh, they've already thrown the book at him um, over the documents charge, and it seems that they're on the precipice of, again, throwing the book at him. Um, that is, you know, again, I'm not... Uh, that's a troubling uh, contrast with seemingly how uh, the president's son and indeed the president's family is being treated um, yeah. by the Justice Department. I must say the, uh, the approach to justice, you know, when you contrast uh, Hunter Biden and President Biden along to uh, Trump, <clears throat> two different systems of justice, it just isn't right. I'm, I say this, I'm not given to hyperbole, but I'm looking at the facts. They're right in front of you. Know, I've been uh, reading up on them in preparation of this call, and, and I can't disagree with that. It does seem as though um, they're going real hard over after a political opponent, and they're taking it real easy on the president's son. Yeah, absolutely. William Yatman, again, uh, senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. PacificLegal.org is the website. William, always appreciate your update here on the uh, on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Ambassador Francis Rooney, our former former congressman, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sean Higgins, who's a Competitive Enterprise Institute a labor policy expert. Right now, we have with us Ambassador Francis Rooney. He is uh, our former congressman, ambassador to the Holy See, and also the author of uh, the Global Vatican. Uh, ambassador Rooney, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Uh, you've uh, uh, chimed in on the uh, midterm elections. Uh, you wrote a piece in the Hill called Midterm 2022. Lessons learned in the path forward. thought it was very edifying. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, I wrote that, you know, in the hope that, that somehow or another uh, the Congress would overcome the, the severe partisanship, which seems to be blocking any ability to deal with hard questions. And um, so far that hasn't materialized, although they did at least pass the uh, debt extension. I thought McCarthy did a good job there of getting a few things out of the Democrats uh, in exchange for the debt extension. Everybody knew he had to do it anyway, so he did a pretty good job of, of getting something with no bargaining power. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is the path forward? I, I think we could all agree that, that we are we're seeing a lot of bipartisanship uh, in, the, in the Congress and uh, really more disagreements, ad hominem attacks and so forth. I don't know if you saw the uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., interview yesterday, but I thought it was just magnificent. But he certainly highlighted the partisanship that's going on. What are your thoughts going forward? Well, you know, I think there's so many highly partisan districts and so many elections like mine that just take place in the primary that it drives people to the extremes. I mean, uh, I don't know how you're going to fix that. But, but I, I read a book that said that uh, at the end of Clinton's time, only 26% of congressional districts were considered highly partisan. Now it's like high 80s. Yeah. And it's not all Republican ones. There's a lot of Democrat ones that are the same way. Absolutely. Well, I'll throw out my uh, my theory, and I appreciate your your thoughts. But I think one of the reasons is when we were watching Walter Cronkite, and he was pretty much the source of our universal news here on uh, in the United States, uh, we may have our disagreements, but we all came from the same base of information about what was true. And now we have so many different media outlets looking for clicks rather than uh, make exposing the truth about the news that we're just, in many cases, not dealing with the same information. And it just exacerbates the differences that we have. Well, I think that's true. I don't think we have journalism in the spirit of Walter Cronkite at all. We have partisan uh, propaganda. I mean, just look at this Hunter Biden thing. Yeah. You read Fox or you read CNN, you think there's two entirely different narratives about this guy. Well, in fact, you don't even see a narrative, but in some cases, you, some yeah. of the news is not even covered, which is just appalling. Yeah, I always like to look at uh, two or three different of these websites in the morning, and it's just, they're all different worlds. You're right. And somehow or another, you know, if you don't have an agreement on the common facts, how can you ever find any kind of solution? That's exactly right. So, uh, what do you think might be the path forward for uh, for this country right now? Well, if we could, like I say, if we could somehow get rid of so much of the partisan districts and maybe have campaign finance reform, I mean, the amount of money and influence, uh, one of the things I really thought was unsettling about being in Congress was the seeing the abusive power of special interest. Yeah. It didn't particularly pertain to me because I didn't need them, 
but uh, I could just focus on what I was hired to do. But uh, a lot of these guys are just total tools of whatever interest is on their side of the fence. I think that's so true. In fact, I watched, I don't know if you saw Tucker Carlson interview the presidential candidates in Iowa this past week, but it was so interesting to see them. Uh, you understood what industries existed in their state, what their financial backing might be, and how they tiptoe around certain issues. In other words, they're not bought and uh, bought off by every issue. They were bought off usually by some issue. It might be the war in Ukraine. It might be a number of issues, but nevertheless, uh, as uh, one person said one time, uh, we've got the best government that money can buy. Yeah, I mean, look at look at in Iowa. Speaking of Iowa, look at ethanol. Yeah, one of the absolute worst things that anybody's ever created. It's right. totally inefficient. The, the fuel is terrible. And you can't use it in outboard engines, by the way, which we have a lot of them in the, the waters around Naples. Uh, it, it, and the Bush administration did that. Wasn't yeah. even a Democrat. Well, in fact, uh, wasn't it Gore that uh, during his campaign was promoting ethanol? And he had, that ended up changing. Right now, it made actually the uh, performance of automobiles worse as a consequence of adding ethanol. Sure. But, but uh, Bush did it in 2007, trying to shore up his chance to keep the house, and which didn't work out anyway. But now you can't get rid of it. Those Iowans and Midwest farmers, they'll fight tooth and nail for it. Yeah, that's just unbelievable. So uh, what are your, what's your prognosis for the 2024 elections? Well, I think it's probably looking a little better for the Republicans now. Um, I've been seeing some articles that even the Democrats think that maybe Trump could beat Biden. I don't know. Seems like a stretch to me. Because, you know, you, you've got that base of, what, 35, 36 percent, and you got to get, he'll get the heat, Trump can get the nomination if, he, if he's, things stay like they are, but I don't know how he's going to get over 51. But, you know, he won the first time because Hillary Clinton was the most heinous candidate ever created. But then a lot of people either didn't vote or voted for Biden, moderate Democrat Republicans, many of whom probably voted for Trump the first time. Do you think there was any chicanery or uh, any kind of cheating going on in the election in 2020? I think they found a little bit, but I haven't seen anything that suggested that there was enough to change the election. I, I just haven't seen it. No, no one's even su suggested it. Well, one suggestion is, for example, uh, holding the information on the laptop until after the elections. Uh, many people say they would have changed their vote had it, had they known about that information. That's just one example, but also... Well, that's a good example. Yeah, I, I can see that. The other thing is, uh, at 11 or 11.30 at night, I was watching the election results. All of a sudden, the count stopped, and then all the, the numbers changed dramatically. That can only happen as a result of changing the algorithm in the machines. So, uh, the, to me, I think this needs a full investigation. And quite frankly, everybody's staying away from it. They don't want to touch it. Yeah, and the Dominion you know, suit uh, won against Fox. The one thing I did see that was kind of unsettling was, was the thing of the, the poll workers taking out the boxes at night. Yeah. That was a little unsettling. But, you know. Well. But, uh, you know, if you go to Latin America and you go to look at how people vote, they have a picture of every voter on a big book in huh. every precinct. And you walk up there and they match up your picture with your ID card. And some places you have to put, um, and like in the Middle East, you got to put a thumbprint down there. I mean, you know, there's no doubt about who votes yeah. in those places. Now, there may be doubt about what gets counted, but there's no doubt about who votes. We can't tell who votes. 
well, that's California a, sends everybody an absentee ballot. Yeah, that's just a great point. And, and election integrity is so critical. And right now, there is a lot of people. There are a lot of people that have a doubt about the the uh, integrity of uh, elections here in the United States. And that's got to change. Yeah, I mean, how can someone credibly <clears throat> say you shouldn't have to present an ID to vote? Makes no sense how at all. How ridiculous is that? And, you, and I always just say, you ought to look at Florida. I mean, Florida is a really good state for voting. You've got to request an absentee ballot. You've got to sign something and send it in. Right. You know, they uh, they pre-count all the all the mail-in ballots uh, in advance, and so as soon as all the voting day ballots are in, they just hit a button and they're all done right there. No three-week wait. No nothing. That's the way to do it, and I uh, wish we could uh, get that done here in the United States. I must I must say I, I vote by mail. Uh, and I do it because it allows me to look over my ballot, make sure that I have an understanding of all the issues. And sometimes there are things there that <clears throat> I didn't recognize. Sometimes a, an amendment to the Florida State Constitution, whatever it might be. But I don't even put it in the mail. I drive it down to the election headquarters <laughs> <and laughs> deposit it just because I have so little trust for all the institutions that, that could uh, have an influence on uh, making sure that my ballot is counted. So that, that you know, I shouldn't have to feel that way. Well, I went through Jennifer Edwards' operation one day when I was in Congress just to see how it worked and stuff. And hey, if it gets there, it's going to be well taken care of. They no, have a great system. They do indeed. They do indeed. Again, uh, Ambassador Francis Rooney, author of the uh, Global uh, Vatican and also also former ambassador to the Holy See, as well as our former congressman. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks for having me on. Have a nice day. You as well. Thank you, Ambassador. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Sean Higgins. He is the Competitive Enterprise Institute of Labor uh, policy expert at the uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston at Space Architecture. Right now we have with us Sean Higgins. He is the Competitive Enterprise Institute uh, labor policy expert. Sean, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure, Sean. Tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Well, we're a nonprofit <clears throat> think tank in uh, Washington, D.C. We just provide analysis and commentary of things, uh, politics, economics, mainly from a free market perspective. Great organization. I think it's, is it com- uh, it's CEI.org? Uh, yes, that's it. CEI.org. You can find all of our stuff right there. So I, I was looking forward to this conversation. I don't know if you could sort through what's happening in Hollywood now with the strikes that are going on. Uh, but the writers and the actors are kind of a reactionary rearguard effort to change in technology. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, the current strikes are largely a fact of the, uh, largely a result of, the, of all the technological changes we've seen over the last decade in terms of uh, media. Um, the switch from uh, watching, watching stuff on network television and theaters to streaming services, and also the rise of artificial intelligence. Basically, the contracts that the uh, actors and the writers have are all based on that old technology, which is uh, being phased out. And the new technology doesn't really sort of address, the, their contracts don't really address the new technology, and that's what they're trying to do. And the problem is this new technology is also making them less necessary. So um, they're very sort of concerned by that. Uh, yes, Sean, but here's what puzzles me. Why would you use a buggy whip in order to try to, to uh, solve a problem that exists here in the 21st century? And by that, I mean, you know, that uh, a strike you know, this is just uh, kind of annoys people, annoys uh, 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 consumers, it annoys uh, everybody involved in this process. It seems to me there's a better way to approach this issue. They don't know what else to do. Um, they have to sort of demonstrate some strength and some ability to sort of damage the industry if they don't uh, go along with them. So that's why they're striking. The problem is the industry thus far has said, okay, show us what you've got, and they're sort of letting the strike play out. Um, with much to the frustration of the actors and the writers. Um, it, it's sort of similar, in a sense, to the, the situation that the, um, the manufacturers had when uh, when you know, Japan and other countries started being more competitive and international trade started chipping away at it. It's just a fundamental change in the economy where, you know, striking against the, the, the boss isn't really going to change the underlying factors that have, that have changed and have created the problem. Yeah. Yeah, but are are unions still viable? A viable solution to this issue? It seems to me, be, being a, a jobber, being an independent contractor, and holding your services out is probably the best way to solve the problem. Um, they are, and uh, the, well, unions in this in, in the case of the Hollywood writers, things are, are a bit of an odd duck because a lot of them are jobbers. I mean, a lot of the actors work, you know, just one gig to one gig to the next. Yeah. So the the, the these Hollywood Unions are sort of halfway between um, traditional uh, unions and more sort of contemporary type things already, but they're nevertheless still being squeezed by the fact. For example, you know, streaming—the switch to streaming means for most people haven't noticed this. TV seasons are about half as long as they used to be because they just don't need to be as long as they used to be. Right? They don't—they're not selling advertising. <clears throat> um, they're just d- deliberately getting the viewers to pay for them. And as a consequence, the actors are working about half as much as they used to. And it's like, 
they're demanding more money as a consequence, and the producers are saying, you know, we don't have that much more more to give, and that's right. sort of where the impasse is. Well, and I think we've seen a reduction in income for a lot of people in uh, these types of industries. People are making mo less money writing books and so forth, so uh, maybe their day has come as well. Uh, but the point is, I mean, uh, we, you know, our family, and we watched, uh, I think we're watching uh, Lincoln Lawyer. I don't know if you've seen that that uh, Netflix uh, production, but it is absolutely terrific. And we watched uh, a full season in about three nights. <laughs> it was so good. The point being is that that's a lot more friendly to the consumer than uh, these shows that uh, have tons of advertisers and so forth. I mean, I, I think things are changing in such a way and so quickly that uh, I don't think their case is sustainable. Yeah, I mean, that's just it. They're, we're not going back, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, this sort of streaming services, this type of stuff is here to stay. Yeah. And people are going to be paying for more of this stuff on a individualized case-by-case -case basis. And the, the whole sort of advertising industry that used to be the basis for how the stuff was paid for is kind of collapsing. And, and the actors need to recognize that and take that into account. And they don't seem to be doing that thus far. Right. So, Sean, uh, any prognosis or thoughts about where this is all going to end up? I think there will be some uh, settlement eventually. Um, the actors will get more uh, pay probably than what they're currently getting, and there will be some discussion about residuals. They'll put some restrictions on the use of artificial intelligence, um, at least as far as it goes with uh, you know, an actor's likeness. Um, but then it'll be similar to the situation again with manufacturing. I mean, the unions aren't going to get everything they want because they can't. Unbelievable. Again, Sean Higgins, uh, he is a competitive Enterprise Institute labor policy expert. Sean, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure indeed. And again, CEI.org is the website, CEI.org. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, the author of several books. Uh, he's a big player in the space program. Uh, his latest book is Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries. It's a very interesting story about his life, as he says, by design. He also writes a column for Newsmax.com uh, called On Point. He comes out about three times a week and is so interesting as well. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing Lives Through Exceptional Theater Experiences, a terrific organization. I served as board chairman for 15 years and very proud of it. I hope you check out the website and get some tickets, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. As I mentioned before the break, his most recent book, uh, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, a terrific read. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, I always enjoy being on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. So uh, your latest column, and I'll point out in uh, Newsmax.com, you write about three columns a week. Uh, The name of the column is on point, and I hope our listeners will check it out. But this one is so interesting. Well, they all are. Trump debate, good theater, bad strategy. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, it's something that uh, actually was not easy to write because, you know, in the past I've always – really thought that uh, as we are in the debate season, it's, you know, the debate is really not only a tradition, but it's, it's very healthy and important way of exchanging uh, views on important issues and kind of getting a perspective that enlightens us and what makes us realize more clearly what different uh, candidates really believe in and what they would, how they would handle certain problems, what their priorities are, and so on. So I kind of a, previously had a, just a general feeling like, hey, this is a good thing, and Trump ought to, ought to debate, and so on. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about it, particularly in writing the article, I thought, you know, my, my view has really changed, and I, sadly so, because I came to realize that, in, you know, in today's, uh, world of the media, uh, we don't get a lot of we don't get a lot of uh, 
I, I would call it integrity in, in, in debates. You know, it's a, it's kind of a beauty contest and a, and a style show and a lot of pre-prepared quips and zingers and so on. And, and, and particularly when you have, in this case, we have a large field of people that will probably be on stage. And, um, uh, Trump is the is the presumed uh, guy to beat, and and I think you know, he's he's leading the polls by I don't know varies like maybe twenty points above DeSantis, and he seems to be even gaining stride, and uh, and all the others are down in the single digits, and and uh, you have a lot of wannabes like Chris Christie, who's a I think a big blowhard. <laughs> and, and they're going to all, not all, because I think I think there are some that are really, you know, would be, you know, decent presidents. I think I like the Sanders, and and I think uh, I think that uh, Tim Scott, South Carolina, make a great vice president. Mm-hmm. But but overall, I think it will. It would, I just see it devolving into a into a, a pretty ugly. A thing, and and we're, we're, we don't really learn very much, and and I can understand from from Trump's perspective why would he debate? I mean, you're he's entering a ring of I mentioned both as a pugilist and a punching bag, and everybody is going to be one. You know, not everybody, but a lot of them are going to want to take him down and do their hail mary knockout punch, and and. Uh, and if he punches back, you'll be a bully. And if yeah. he breaks about his record, he'll you know he'll he'll be a he'll be braggadocio. And and I don't see a lot to gain from it. And I think this is a kind of a commentary on where 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 the you know media and politics has become so weaponized that uh, that basically we all lose. And I think then we have that we have the media that with their with their favorites, you know, we, you know, we, we would like to have a debate. A lot of us would like to have a debate where, where there's really a balanced, uh, balanced hosts and, and everyone has a chance to speak, but with this big field, nobody really has a chance to get in much more than sound bites. Yeah. And so I think it's, it makes for kind of ugly spectacle. And, and I can understand why Trump wouldn't want to, perhaps he isn't said he won't, but, well, he wouldn't want to, you know, go through that, and uh, and I can kind of appreciate, you know, why should he? I agree with that. In fact, I think what happens is that you have a couple of minutes to talk, and it's pretty much more form than substance. Rather than, in other words, you can't really get into a policy. You can't. So you're getting sound bites from these candidates, and uh, and personal attacks. The way, in fact. I watched, uh, I don't know if you watched Tucker Carlson's uh, interviews with presidential candidates in Iowa. I think it was about 10 days ago, a week ago. And the format was so terrific. And he stylized and, and selected the questions for each candidate. So it was so personal. It was so well done. It was a 25-minute interview with each candidate. I just, it was so superior to what we've seen in previous uh, situations and uh, debates with uh, candidates. But I, I think we should take a look at the format that we have right now because it's just not working. Well, I really agree with that. I think that, you know, I know even, even when I, I you know I do a certain number of radio interviews and 
you're the only one I really stick with because I think we have good conversations. Yeah. But but the reason that I, I kind of am reluctant on others is because you're always reacting. You know, you you don't you know it's not that not that you're afraid to answer questions or don't want to answer questions, but it's but it's like you're always wondering. You know what you know you're always reacting rather than being able to to develop an idea on something or develop a topic or have a real conversation and this thing was you, you see it doubly with uh, the debates where where everybody has a you know has a stock question and it's, and and even when they're not stock you know, there's just no chance to no opportunity really to to really reveal what you really think or and they'll say, "Well, what did you? Why did you? Why did you? Why did you say such and such, or whatever?" And then you got one minute to respond. Well, that's you're always off balance, and you're not able to to really, you know, get in your own zone and yeah. let people know who you are, what you think, and uh, make a, a sincere comparison. So, so I, I really agree with that. And so you're really at the largely at the mercy of the host, and the and the hosts. Uh, have their own agendas, and some of them have a tendency to grandstand as well, as we know with Mike Wallace and in the 2016 uh, debates, where where he disallowed Trump the opportunity to to pursue questions about Hunter's laptop and so on. So, yeah, it's it's not it's not a very helpful. Uh, spectacle, in my view, I, I agree, Professor. Again, what I'm for is just taking a step back and having, and just uh, revamping the entire process for debates. And with the question, how can we make sure that uh, these candidates have an opportunity to express their poly con- policy concerns and what they represent and what they want to do in a way that's not biased by the uh, media and not <clears throat> or minimal minimize the uh, bias of of the media. But uh, also giving them the time to respond and uh, to to uh, converse about the issues of the day. And we're just uh, right now. I just remember Kamala Harris up there. <laughs> she, she she tried to get by with one or two sound bites. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. But she she ended up uh, becoming vice president of the United States. So it just doesn't work. Well, she was the in the Matrix choice. You know, she he said uh, he was going to have a black. Uh, Black woman, and she was the only one on stage. So, so you know, she got she got the prize, but she she wasn't any prize herself. No, she wasn't. Again, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston at Space Architecture, many books, great write, uh, write, uh, reading. Uh, I like the ones about climate change. You can check those out. Profits and Profits of Climate Doom. Uh, but also, uh, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, his latest very transparent story about his own life and uh, his achievements by Professor Larry Bell. Professor, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks again. Always my pleasure. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some terrific guests on Monday. Uh, Mark Schulman is the founder and publisher of HistoryCenter.com, so Mark will be joining us as well as Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries. His latest is, quote-unquote, no problem. We'll look forward to our visit with Jim as well. In the meantime, I hope you make it a great weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. 
Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.